And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Blog Talk Radio.
This is Entertainment Life on the Sasha Marina Show, a show about the entertainment and music industry, where you get to hear from the top and up-and-coming stars, from amateurs to professionals. They're all just working hard for success. This show is to give those the opportunity to speak about their talents and what they're doing to succeed in their dreams. And now, here's your host, Sasha Marina. Hello, hello, everyone. Uh, good afternoon to some and good morning to others. Uh, I'm your host, Sasha Marina, and you're tuned into the Sasha Marina Show. So today I have a very cool guest. Uh, he's a director. He's, um, I mean, I guess a philanthropist, I should say. Uh, he's somewhat dedicated his life as well to sh- to showing or, I guess, supporting good causes. Um, he goes by the name of Juan Carlos. Um, and, yeah. So his, one of his recent accomplishments, I should say, is um, creating this movie that's called Know How, which is a hybrid documentary he directed, written and acted, well, not written, yeah, written and acted by foster care youth based on their own true stories. So that's a, a very interesting twist that he uh, decided to create. And he's actually also um, the founder of a White Roof Project, which is a nonprofit focused on curbing climate change by painting black rooftops with energy-saving reflective white paint. Well, if you guys didn't understand any of that, we can just have him on the line right now. Uh, hey, Juan Carlos, you're live on air. Good morning Hi, to you. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you for the introduction. <laughs> thank you, Larry. Thank you for being on. Um, I, I, I kind of want to start off by saying congratulations. I know Know How just want uh, a pretty great recognition. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So very recently, we were in a competition for Project of the Year, IndieWire Project of the Year, which is the biggest independent film publication out there. Um, And we just got word. It was a battle at the end of it. It was a long race. Uh, It was about a week long, and then there was a tie right at the end. Um, And we won this really great accolade, which is Project of the Year. And Essentially, what it allows us to do is go to Tribeca Film. It goes to the Tribeca Film Festival and mm-hmm. meet up with some industry folks who can hopefully get it distributed. So, uh, yeah, we're really excited about that. I'm actually heading out to Los, uh, to New York um, in about a week to go chat with some people over there about what this film, you know, can do. And really, it's a message of change. Um, and this film is a vehicle for change and the foster care. Uh, system. Um, and it's really just this incredible moment in time where, you know, uh, we galvanized just an amazing community, uh, which is essentially thousands and thousands of folks from uh, the nonprofit that funded this film, the Possibility Project, everybody in my family, all of their friends, their friends, those people had friends. I mean, just this incredible group of folks from all over uh, the United States and even the world who really came together to help us uh, achieve this. So it's just in one of those heartening moments where I think you can really tell that the community that helped build this movie from the ground up came out in force and was able to then also get this win. Um, and we are now on the other side of that looking at just kind of uh, a couple of weeks where we get to kind of show ourselves for who we are in these great places in Tribeca and um, yeah, all over the world as well as we go to these other film festivals. But, uh, yeah, that's essentially what happened very recently. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. I can still feel the excitement in your voice. Um, definitely, whoever has helped you, you know, until now and the journey, not only as a filmmaker, but also with this movie, it's, it's definitely shown and it's paid off. Um, tell us more. How did you um, foster care? It's something that's uh, very important to us here, and there's not a big uh, emphasis on it in our country, not that I've seen. You know, I know there's organizations and stuff like that, but I think that it could be helped out more. You know, foster care is something very, you know, very serious. Um, and there's kids that never get to have a, a family, you know, um, as they become an adult. How did you, were you approached by making this movie? Did you have somebody close to you? How, how were you aware of, of, you know, the whole foster care system? Absolutely. So I guess I'll I'll go back a little bit and kind of chat about where I came from and what got me interested in what into foster care, which is I was doing some uh, mentorship through uh, Streetwise Partners, which is a NGO that works on helping, you know, bootstrap young, really smart, uh, career-minded individuals who may not have all of the means or the know-how, <laughs> for lack of a better term, um, to you know, essentially ladder them into better positions, to have longer career paths, to get out of sort of, you know, you're talking about a group, an age range of everyone from maybe 17, 18 years old to 25, 27, and how to pull them away from maybe what they were doing and get them into a place that will lead to, you know, long, fruitful uh, careers. So I was doing that for a while, and it got me just, I was working with a couple of folks who, inspired me and helped me learn an enormous amount about the world. And, uh, you know, in turn, I tried to help them and help get them into better career paths. But really, it just made me realize how amazing and incredible uh, that work was, uh, mentorship specifically. So it kind of started leading me in a certain path. I had just finished my first film. I was going through a sort of tumultuous change, and I started to look at the world as a place where, you know, if you do good, and you are good and you try to be good, then the rest will just follow. The rest will come to fruition. And the door opened up at this incredible moment where the Possibility Project, which is a nonprofit in New York City that works with at-risk youth to make musicals, theatrical uh, you know, musicals, um, about their lives, uh, gave me a call. I'd actually known them since I was in high school. I went to one of the very first shows that had ever been put on and I was amazed by it then, but lost touch with them over the years. It used to be in Washington, D.C., uh, the original project. And then when they moved to New York, I actually caught up with them again, probably in 2003, 2004, uh, started shooting some of their events just to shoot the, uh, the actual you know, youth doing these theatrical productions. And then lost touch with them again, making the first movie. When they got back in touch in 2010, I chatted with the founder, the executive director of the, of the project, and he was just beginning to chat about the idea of making a film. And mm-hmm. we sat down probably for four hours and said, well, what would this be? You know, it could have been anything. It could have been a documentary. It could have been, uh, it could have been sort of this hybrid where you're inside their lives, you're talking about their lives. And then we thought, you know, why not just pull back and allow for them to have their voice be a platform for them to speak about their own lives in the way that they want to and to step away essentially from having that. If you're making a documentary, you're thinking about 
uh, you know, there's, there's no objective reality. You're still kind of imposing sort of a thought behind it as the director of a film. You, there's no way really to absolve yourself completely from, from having a voice there. And the same is true for narrative film. You know, if, you know, if there's a couple of people in a room writing a film and they don't have that personal experience of having been through it, then it's very difficult to have a completely unbiased viewport. So what happens, and it's a really simple idea, but it's actually kind of hilarious that it took a long time for it to get done, and I'm not sure it's ever been done before, is how about giving this group of rarely heard voices a platform to speak about the things they want to speak about, uh, to tell their own stories in their own way, and let that just be there and for others to be able to see it and understand the bravery and the courage that it takes to tell some of these stories that are so difficult to talk about and that realistically, and as you spoke, uh, foster care is something that very few people really understand. It's something that we know mm -hmm. about sort of, you know, kind of tangentially from other stories. Uh, you know, you have Annie, you have some films that have come out recently, maybe Short Term 12, and other different sort of small pieces here and there. But again, the national conversation around foster care is it's small and there's not enough being done and the foster care system is in a state of dysfunction. Uh, so I'll go back again and then we'll come back forward. But uh, <laughs> okay. what happened really was after that initial conversation, uh, I thought, this is just amazing. I want to be a part of making this film. I cannot wait to direct this picture and there's no money for this. Nothing is going to happen. <laughs> How are we going to do this? I mean, it's the unlikeliest film to get made. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. How do you sell this? There's just very few people that would kind of pull into something like this. So uh, I worked on a small little piece that we sent out to funders, like a three or four minute sort of you know, trailer that said, this is kind of what it would be about. This is kind of what we would try to be. This is kind of what we would try to be doing. But very specifically, there was just nothing there. The interest is, it's hard to gauge. And so a couple of months go by, the play that I would be directing uh, is about to go on stage, and the funders who had seen the trailer come to that first premiere night of the, of the show in, I forgot, I think it was the Lucille Lortel Theater in New York City. The play goes on. And afterward, maybe an hour later, we got the green light. We got funded. And it was just the most wow. amazing. I, just, I was bawling. <laughs> I, I bet. I was too. <laughs> like this long shot, never going to happen, no chance thing to very immediately being like, we are now on a green light. We are going to make this film. The very next day, I walked into, uh, you know, a group of, 10 foster care youth who were just incredibly excited to be starting the creation of this film. And we sat down and I just remember it was just this sort of come to Jesus moment, uh, not really knowing that much about foster care. You know, I knew some of the statistics at this point. I knew a little bit about the universe, but it was this five hour download where we just sat down and talked about their lives, about what foster care was, about the system, how it hurt them, how it helped them, 
the ways in which it's really difficult to maneuver, the way in which they were taken from their families, and the ways in which, you know, they're trying to persevere and overcome these difficult odds. I mean, you're talking about 70-plus percent of foster care youth being incarcerated by the time, uh, you know, they graduate from high school, if they graduate from high school, which is, you know, essentially, uh, you know, 50 percent will graduate from high school, 6 percent will go to a community college. Uh, it's, uh-huh. The numbers are staggering. It's really something else, and it's something that has to change, and it's something that we're trying to so in other words, if there's not like uh if there's not an immediate change there's there's really nothing else helping these children out and like you've already mentioned a, a lot of people are unaware of the things of, of of foster care you know unless you know somebody that that has gone through it or or you know you're close to someone or you're, you're you yourself has gone through it there's there's really no knowledge um and things like that aren't taught in school so definitely um you know how have because I know you've you've grown closer to these kids. I, I only I can only imagine that you've grown close to to the group of kids that you you know of this movie. Um, how do you feel that that they have appreciated you um, for doing this? Um, I, I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, sure, I guess appreciation, but I think more so it's about just being awesome friends with incredible folks. I mean, these are some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life, and they're some of my best friends. Uh, we talk all the time. They're sweet. They're beautiful. And I know that, you know, I'm always in awe of what they're able to do and what they're capable of doing and the things that they're working on right now. A fair amount of them are in college. They're going to graduate. Uh, <laughs> some of them uh, have scholarships. Uh, one of them has a full ride and has just been doing incredibly at Hampshire College. I mean, we're talking about just this incredible group, and we've become very, very close over the last four years of making this film. And, you know, if it's appreciation, that's great, but I think more so it's about friendship and the continuation mm-hmm. of these sort of long-lasting bonds that we've built and being able to help one another. I mean, because that's sort of, that's sort of the essence of life, right? <laughs> yes, with these, definitely. With these guys, that's what's cool. It's it's that this is always going to be a two-way street, and I have their back for the rest of my life, and I know they have mine. How, um, what else are your, you know, where else do you want to go with this film? Because you've already won certain awards, and it's not about even winning the awards, that, you know, as a filmmaker, um, but it's also with this sort of message, you want to get it across worldwide. Um, you know, you you have Tribeca. Not everybody gets to go to Tribeca. That's an awesome accomplishment as a filmmaker. But what else are your goals with this film? Sure. So a lot of what we're trying to build out is a way to reform the foster care system from inside and out. And the way that we're doing that is in a few different – so there's a few different levels and tiers that we're looking at. The first is that we want every single foster care youth who's currently in care – to watch the film. We want to be able to go to foster care agencies, to government agencies, to, to uh, you know, community uh, screenings around the United States and show this film to all of those folks who need this help, who need to have, you know, essentially a bridge between their own peers who are finding ways to overcome the odds 
and, you know, hopefully be inspired, uh, be engaged and empowered to talk about it, to find ways to, you know, change the way in which maybe they're perceiving their lives, um, and to find a way to be successful and overcome and become leaders uh, of their communities and, you know, owners of their own destiny, really. Uh, and that's, that's, that's number one. We want to make sure that that happens. And to do that, we've been in touch with a lot of groups. But if there's other folks out there that are part of these agencies, um, you know, you're a caseworker yourself, and you happen to be listening in, that's a great place to start. Just let us know. Uh, go to knowhowmovie.com and sign up and let us know that you want to show this film in one of those places. We're looking at ways to do these screenings everywhere. Uh, the second piece is that we want to instill and help uh, create change from within the, the system itself. Um, and to do that, we've been talking with the Administration for Children's Services, um, and nationally we're talking with different state and uh, local officials and uh, agencies in these areas to build uh, you know, teaching tools that allow for there to be more cross-dialogue between uh, foster care youth and the people that are there to help them, uh, you know, which interestingly enough doesn't happen enough that the folks who are helping the foster care youth aren't actually asking them what they need. You know, that's a, that's a strange piece of the pie that gets lost a lot of the time. There's caseworkers and it's about these numbers and it's about making sure you have the specific amount of cases in your caseload that you're doing, that you're, you know, essentially, um, that you're, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I understand, I understand where, where you're coming from. Um, this is, Trust me, I think I think anything that's especially that, that's involved with the governmental, uh, you know, organizations and stuff, they're, they're not really looking at at the core problem. It's like you mentioned, it's just numbers and statistics. You know, you kind of have to think more uh, more about the kids. But um, going back to your to your previous um, comment about screening the film, I had actually gone into your website and I had seen that. You know, I'm actually very interested in actually showing the film down here. Um, has your film? I, I'm not sure if your film has been shown anywhere in Florida yet. Uh, we we haven't actually been in Florida yet, and we're looking at the film festival circuit that down there to get it out there as well. But yes, we are definitely looking for uh, you know community screenings in all of these areas. And over the summer, we'll be pushing out to do private screenings in uh, you know cities and states all over the U.S. Uh, and abroad as well. I think that. It's, an, it's important, and it's a big part of our plan is to make sure that there's discussions happening around the world that allow for us to talk about this in a more, you know, above the board so that people know what's happening, people understand what our system is and what it does, what it does well and what it does poorly. I mean, it's not for lack of want and trying. It's for lack of the funds, the resources, and certain, you know, systemic issues that need to be transformed. But if there's more uh, eyeballs, if there's more people talking about it, if there's more people looking and scrutinizing this, we're going to have those great chances to be able to actually affect real change. We're going to be able to sort out some of these issues that we've had and be able to really drive a public eye. You know, that's a part of what the issue is, is that we need the public to look at this and say, this is what's wrong. This is what needs to change. We need to do it together. We need to empower our youth. 
We need to get them to be leaders in their communities. I mean, these are the types of things. We need more resources, like the Possibility Project and other organizations doing incredible work. We need more of those resources out there for foster care youth to ladder them up into places where they can be very successful. We need these things to, we need, uh, you know, aging out. So, and then the second part, so there's two tiers really. There's the part that's internal, and then there's the external part, which is we want more people to be affecting their lives personally. We want people to uh, be mentoring foster care youth. We want them to be advocates for foster care youth. And we have all of these ways to do it on the website. Uh, and then finally, and if you're most motivated, to become foster parents yourself. There is a lack of great foster parents in the world, and we need more of them. We need them now. It's not something about tomorrow. We need these folks to care about our foster care youth, to bring them into their homes, and we need to make it, you know, a greater wealth of folks who are willing to take in somebody uh, and that those people have the means to take those youth in and to give them love and care. And that's a huge piece of this campaign as well. This is a large social action campaign that has many prongs. Finally, and probably most importantly, is the government change we want to, or excuse me, the legislative change we want to have, which is we'd love to institutionalize at a, you know, at a national level the aging out of foster care currently in most states is 18. Uh, in New York and Los Angeles, uh, or in New York, it's uh, 21. Uh, we want to make sure that it's nationally 21, and even if it can be, up to 24 services uh, that allow them to have these, this access to, you know, essentially a, a safety net that they don't have to go on public welfare immediately after aging out, that they can find ways to go to college, to be able to have these opportunities that, you know, sort of are taken for granted by most, uh, you know, teenagers and, and myself included. Uh, because we have families that are able to help us or support us or give us these, these needs that we have to just stay someplace safe uh, so that we can have an opportunity to learn more, to, be, to get an education, uh, to find these different outlets. And so um, kind of holistically, that's sort of what we're looking at. Uh, and each of those has its own sort of track. But if at the end of the day we're able to accomplish, you know, three out of four of these major goals and get a lot more foster parents in there, have more advocates, have more uh, communities with great programs, um, have better education inside the system, and then have some real legislative wins. I just think it would just mean the world. And I think we can do it. I honestly do. You know, Juan Carlos, I think you've taken the first step. Uh, you kind of fought your own little battle, and, and you know, and, and here you go. You, you already have your film, um, you know, multi-awarded already. You have a great group of kids by what you say, you know, that you, that you, you I mean, I guess you've met, uh, I guess, you know, lifetime friends. And um, did you, are any of them actually involved with film? Are any of them actually interested that, that or after the movie, did any of them say like, oh, wow, I kind of want to be an actor or a filmmaker? Yeah, well, I think it's kind of gone around the board, which is what's really awesome yeah. about it. Um, I love that. Some of them, you know, their interest isn't in film. It's actually now going kind of into politics. Uh, they want okay. to be engaged. They want to be leaders. They want to talk about these issues. And then there's 
a few of them that want to be, you know, they are, uh, you know, they're, they're artists, they're hip hop, they're, they're into rapping, they're, they want to be big, you know, and then there's others who really want to do film and are much more character actors and they're just absolutely some of the most talented people I've ever met. Uh, One of the folks, Joshua, he's just this incredible talent and I cannot wait for him to be unleashed on the world. He is just absolutely incredible and he will be a star. I mean, the guy is just just one of a kind and that's the case for a lot of these guys. Nikwana is amazing. Uh, you know, and it, some of them really do want to be in film and some of them don't. Some of them want to be behind the scenes. Some of them want to write now. I mean, every single person is so individual and so beautiful and so specific about their needs. Uh, Lee Jimenez, she's become an activist for LGBTQ youth. She works at Fierce NYC now. She's an organizer. I mean, every single one has different goals, but all of them are finding ways to achieve those goals in really meaningful interesting ways and that's what's so incredible about projects like this that allows for folks who may not have had the the resources to suddenly be able to see those goals that they want to achieve and then achieve them by their own by empowering themselves it's not like we're doing it they're doing it they're they're responsible for their own lives but we're able to help we're able to sustain a you know a helpful network that allows them to become the leaders that they will be. Definitely. And for those that um, that have been listening or just tuning in right now, you can get to know more about this film and the cast and the whole, uh, I guess, foster care um, organization at www.knowhowmovie.com. Um, and there you see that there, there's all the information they can know about foster care is there, including uh, trailers to the movie and so forth, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, knowhowmovie.com, uh, facebook.com slash knowhowmovie, and then on Twitter we're at knowhowmovie. So, and that's K-N-O-W-H-O-W-M-O-V-I-E. Definitely, and if you, any, any of you, um, you know, this is, and you're interested in showing your this film in your hometown and in your state. Uh, there's a lot of places where this film hasn't been shown yet or screened at. Um, and you're interested, there's a way to sign up on there. So that's great. Um, I, I feel like we, you know, and this interview was mostly to get the message out about this film. And, and I'm glad we did so. And we kind of covered the, the system and the, the cast and, uh, you know, the movie all in all. But before we go here, I kind of want to... Uh, mention about your um, your White Roof Project, your nonprofit organization. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about that and um, how it's gone for you thus far? Oh, sure. Well, so this is sort of switching gears. <laughs> yeah, this is it, it is. Life. I feel like I have two. I have a double life. One is uh, being a director, and then the second is something that I sort of happened to get a light bulb one day long ago uh, now. In uh, 2010, I was at uh, the Sierra Club, and uh, this folks, uh, this guy was talking about sustainability in our city. I was just so impressed with the idea of what doing a white roof could could mean for the landscape of of a city. It was just it was this sort of incredible eureka, um, and it happened very suddenly. And so I sort of got pulled into a world that I never really understood I would be a part of. Uh, basically, it's this. A white roof, uh, so if you have a black tar roof out in, 
it's 90 degrees outside, it's the summer, um, that black tar roof, the top of it, will be about double the, the air temperature. So 90 degrees, the temperature of that rooftop is about 180 degrees, which means it's essentially baking the rooftop. It's, in fact, you, you know, on a hot summer day, you'll see it and it's like bubbling. It's the, that tar is bubbling. It's that hot. It's that malleable, right? Um, what a white roof does is really simple. It makes it so that it reflects the heat instead of absorbs it, and that heat doesn't come in. Now, on the inside of a building, what that means is that it's much cooler. So instead of, uh, if a black tar roof on the inside, uh, if it's about a 90-degree day, you're talking about it being maybe like 125, 135 degrees inside the room, right underneath that rooftop. Um, wow. So it's baking, that, it's baking that room. Now, a white rooftop, it's only going to be about 10 degrees hotter on the surface of it. So it'll only get to about 100 degrees on the surface. And on the inside, the interior of the house will actually be cooler than the outside air temperature. So you're talking about 80 degrees on the inside. Uh, what that means is you don't have to use electricity as much. You don't have to use your AC as much. Uh, so you can save up to 40% on your electricity. And then above and beyond that, it has uh, just incredible uh, effects on the environment. So uh, one, if enough people do it in a city, it actually you can cut. There was a, there's a program that if we implemented in the Los Angeles, California area, uh, it could cut out about, I think it's seven gigawatts, 14 power plants of energy. So, no, that's exactly the opposite. So it's about 11, 12 gigawatts and seven or eight power plants of energy, um, which would just be incredible. Every single year, uh, every single decade rather, we're actually putting about one to two percent increase in our electricity, and mm -hmm. that is one power plant. So every decade, we're adding one power plant to all of our big cities. If we're able to cut that down, we'd be using so much less energy to just make the world a much better place and much more sustainable. Um, above and beyond that, it cuts down on smog. So a rooftop uh, in the summer, uh, when it's hot, you know, it's this black tar roof, the sun, you know, the, the roof, the heat actually keeps all that smog in. So it, mm -hmm. the, the air can't get out. So when, you know, the nighttime comes, all of that hot air that tries to get, you know, back under the atmosphere, it can't actually go out. So we keep all those pollutants inside these cities. That smog stays in. But with a white rooftop, again, like that's able to leave because the heat isn't trapped on our rooftops. Um, in New York City alone, 11% of the city is actually rooftops, you know? So you're talking about an enormous amount of square footage that if it was just changed holistically could cause incredible, you know, changes to the landscape of that entire city. Um, and it's, it's something that's really simple to do. It's tangible. It's change that you can literally see as you're doing it. So when you're up there painting, you can do it yourself. It's very simple. Uh, you know, you can paint your way to a better, you know, a better roof, a better building, a building that is more sustainable and, you know, you're offsetting the carbon footprint. It's, it's uh, estimated that, so if we were to coat all of the world's rooftops, um, we would offset 24, oh man, I'm going to, I'm trying to make sure that I get this right because 
the statistic is so staggering. <laughs> oh, if not, it's okay. Uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you could also go to his website where you can find more info exactly on this project, which is uh, jcpe.tv, right? Oh, well, and so the actual project is whiteroofproject.org. Um, okay, whiteroofproject.org. That's where you can find the information about the about White Roof Project, but my personal website is jcpe.tv. Okay, okay. Well, that's how I, I had found the actual White Roof Project um, link through your website. So, oh, right. absolutely. Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you're a busy man. I'm sure that um, it's it's kind of hard to juggle both things. Um, have you – so how would – if anybody's interested in, in someone volunteering for this organization, how would they go about it? Absolutely. Well, so for if, – if you're interested in foster care – of course, go to knowhowmovie.com. Um, sign up for the email. We can find ways to get you involved uh, and just let us know how you want to be involved. There's a sign-up form right there. You go to that Take Action button. That's the easiest way to talk to us about, uh, about that. And then if you're interested in White Roof Project and you want to get out there and start painting some roofs white, if you're in New York City, we actually have a great event coming up April 26th, or excuse me, April 25th. Um, to go out and paint some roofs. If that's what you're interested in, then go to whiteroofproject.org. There's a big button up at the top that says volunteer. Go there, sign up. We'll be chatting with you soon. All right, perfect. So, Juan Carlos, I know you have so much going on. I definitely appreciate your time being on the show um, and so forth. Uh, you know, congratulations to you, to your team, to your cast for to make it to Tribeca, and I, I'm sure that you'll find many more connects there and, and they'll grow much more as a filmmaker. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay. So, uh, once again, thank you. Um, I'm, you know, I think I had already gone through the website and signing up to be a possible screening down here, but um, I'm definitely interested in that. So, whenever you can, just let me know how we can go about that. Absolutely. Will do. Okay. Well, thank you very much, and you have a wonderful morning. <laughs> thank you, you too. All right. Bye-bye. Uh
At Planet Fitness, you can get down with your judgment-free self. Join for only $1 down, $10 a month, no commitment. Now through January 15th, Planet Fitness has cardio, weights, and locker rooms that sparkle like a glass of New Year's champagne. Only $1 down, $10 a month, no commitment. Now through January 15th. Join in-club or online at PlanetFitness.com. Planet Fitness, the judgment-free zone. Offer expires January 15th. Stop by any of our 15 area locations. Annual membership fee applies. Participating locations only. See club for details. At Planet Fitness, you can get down with your judgment-free self. Join for only $1 down, $10 a month, no commitment. Now through January 15th, Planet Fitness has cardio, weights, and locker rooms that sparkle like a glass of New Year's champagne. Only $1 down, $10 a month, no commitment. Now through January 15th, join in-club or online at PlanetFitness.com. Planet Fitness, the judgment-free zone. Offer expires January 15th. Stop by any of our 15 area locations. Annual membership fee applies. Participating locations only. See club for details.